Welcome, listeners, to the 20th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Bernhardt. With me today are powerful wizards Robin Svensson and Christopher Wikström. The very best of welcome to you, dear listeners. Hello, friends. Sup, everybody. Sup, Stockholm Legacy Report can be found every week on the Top Decked app. In today's episode, we will celebrate our 20th episode by answering listener questions we asked for last week. Since the recording last week was quite late, we haven't really played any Paper Legacy since. So we will just have a very short magic paper play report from our friend Christopher, because you have been drafting Modern Horizons 2 and earned yourself a new nickname. And I want you to give our listeners a short one on this uh, for the bragging rights. Yeah, so <clears throat> we we kind of played some sort of Modern Horizons 2 sealed slash draft because we had too few boosters for just doing a sealed section. And we had like two. We wanted to open too many packs to just do draft. So we we went with you know five booster draft, and then with the remaining boost. No, uh, we did uh, five five booster sealed, and then we drafted with the remaining packs that we had. We just mashed everything into one pile, divided it into six, and then just handed everything out. So we so we got pretty you know concentrated decks. They were a lot stronger than normal sealed decks, I would guess. But yeah, so I've earned myself a new nickname. I'm now Christopher instead of Christopher, because of course I opened Grist, uh, which was a pretty good fun card to play against when you're doing, you know, sealed with friends you haven't met for a long while. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was a blast. I also opened the uh, the black uh, mythic, the bomb mythic, the archon that just eight mana win the game in limited. Uh, so that was a, a lot of fun too. Whenever it, it resolved, it just killed the opponent on its own. So yeah, that was fun. It went a solid 3-0. <laughs> Anything else with that composition, I would have, you know, lambasting your, your Magic the Gathering paper play skills. Luckily, no need for that. Well represented, I would say. Absolutely. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. All right. Are you guys ready to celebrate 20? I am. We are 20 years old. No 20 episodes old. <laughs> you, you and I, Robin, we are actually approaching 40. So, you know. Let's not talk about that. Double up. Go, go. No, okay. So these questions that we're going to go through, they come from us through our Discord server. And the members are on the Alernist, Turedzon, Luskumbucks, Beggar Hero, and Jay. Many thanks to you. We have loads of interesting questions to go through, so no time to waste, really. Uh, I'm going to put these questions, and I guess we'll just, uh, you know, chaos take turns in answering them. First question coming up. How would you guys pronounce the name Asmorano Maradikada Istana Kuldakar? And have you guys uh, brewed with it? First of all, that's bullshit. You have trained, Victor. That that's such bullshit. You trained so much to to nail that. Um, that's but yeah, how I pronounce the name. I would I would like to hear uh, Robin's pronunciation because if I'm not mistaken, he's one beer and one glass of wine in. So this is gonna be really good. All right, are you ready, guys? Asmorano, Mardi Cardi, Istanbul de Caldar. Oh man. Okay, I'll do. Asmoran Omardi Kadaistina Kuldakar. <laughs> That's a great name. 
So have have you guys brewed with this uh, this Asmoran Mardikada Ista Nakuldakar? I thought you would never ask such a question. I I have a, I have a, done a little bit of brewing actually with this card. I I started out trying to make it work in lands, but then realizing that making a lot of artifacts tokens just uh, being a token machine is really good not only with Ursa's Saga, but also with old school stacks cards like smokestacks and uh, the likes so i give you a list and this is not my list but i found it and i was so thrilled to build it up so it's four asmo four goblin engineer and four goblin welder and four oval chase daredevil that's the card that that sort of combos with asmo right four fateless looting to uh, you need to discard a card to play your Asmo. One Ensnare Bridge, one God Pharaoh statue, and this is a, a favorite card of mine. It's a vintage staple, right? You tinker for it or, or find it somehow and play it and all your opponent's spell costs two more mana to cost, if I'm not mistaken. Three Mox Opals to power out all these great cards. Pithing Needle, uh, Parrot Spell Bomb, and Soul Guide Lantern, which are all Ursa Saga search targets. Then two smokestacks and four tangle wires and four underworld cookbooks to search up with asmo and then there's the mana base and uh, then there's uh, a sideboard but that's not important because this is a, a, a stack stick it's a stack stick 2021 yeah it's beautiful i i love uh, when when someone say that they're playing a stack stick without smokestack yeah <laughs> i'm like shaking my head but this mm. Yeah, I, I felt this. It's a really sweet list, and I I can't remember which one of you sent it in the Discord, but you were yeah, it was you, Robin. You were so excited, <laughs> like it was it was a real cool list. And uh, yeah, to answer that question myself, uh, I did dip my toes in this card a bit. I'm not gonna try and pronounce it again because it's too long. But I did I did uh, see some brews with it in Eightwalla, and. Uh, for me, I'm not really sure if... Uh, because because you really want to play the cookbook and this card. Yeah, it, it might be real good. I mean, the cookbook is really good with just the, the Wallace also and Andrew's Ravager to get some discount. I'm, I'm not really sure, but it's I, I love this card. I've seen some painter lists also just squeeze them in, you know, with a, a normal red painter. Um, so yeah, we'll, it's, it's a cool card for sure. Yeah, I think for me, I can't probably get further away from my comfort zone <laughs> than Asmara Dikada Istanakuldakar. It's uh, just, uh, this is far out for me. I have not even tried to, to theorize how I, would, uh, how I would play this, but I am looking forward to uh, you guys uh, bringing it down someday. Okay, next question. Which currently underplayed deck do you think could give good results on current metagame, if any? Yeah, I can I can start on this one. I think it's really hard to to tell, you know, due to the combination of, you know, Raggle and Dace decks and Bant and Doomsday, because they cover such a big part of the meta and it makes really it makes it really hard for, you know, other types of deck to uh, you know have a some sort of you know potential or you know if they're underplayed uh, it might be because of good reason you know that they be- get beat up by this really like uh, strong like frio you know the free musketeers and then sagavan if you want a d'artagnan to it too so i, I think it's uh, if i if i would say something there's a there's some part of me that would like 
to see some you know disruptive tribal decks come and give some of these blue decks a bit more fight for the money i'm thinking about uh, like the humans deck and uh, maybe some sort of disruptive spirits deck but it's it's really hard you know vile is not really doing great right now those decks are leaning more towards yorion then if you're on yorion you might as well just play death and taxes which is not really underplayed right now i i have one suggestion here uh, I think that bug decks is underplayed as an archetype. Yes, just ordinary bug control. Because, I mean, you you can start with playing eight Strixes and, and sort of give Delver a harder time. And then you can play uh, Grist and Uro and Leovold. And you can play a little bit of a loan package or discard cards in the sideboard. Plague Engineer. I, I think that uh, bug decks is quite alright in this meta. They should be able to fight against all of the tier 1 or tier 1.5 decks. Yeah, that's a good suggestion. I think actually that Doomsday is underplayed, <laughs> even though it's uh, among the decks that you mentioned, Christopher, because... <laughs> the best combo deck. <laughs> it is the, the best combo deck. It is underplayed because I think for two reasons. One, I think it's it's a deck that people at least perceive to be very difficult. And second, I think in paper there is this just dexterity logistics of getting the deck together because this deck ain't cheap and hasn't gotten cheaper in the last two years of lockdown. So now I think when paper play starts up, I think that Doomsday is probably going to be an underplayed deck just because people do not have access to the deck. But then again, I like your suggestion of bug uh, control as well, Robin. I think that's a deck people should play more. And I completely agree with Doomsday. I think it should be played more. But I think in paper, it you need to be really fast with making your pile to comply with timing uh, rules when it comes to paper play, right? You need to make your pile in how many seconds do you have? <laughs> 45 seconds or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I think that's the... Is it the... the uh... Koval special. He's talking about it on the pod a lot. Like after f- 30 seconds or something, he's calling the judge or something. You need to be really fast. Um, which is reasonable because it's a yeah. It it takes time. I I like before Fasus Oracle. I remember sitting for three minutes just waiting for a, someone to build a pile. So it's um, yeah. It's not it's not acceptable. But uh, it, the deck now. I mean, I have some reps. The the pile is a bit quicker now. And then I'm still pretty rusty with it. All right, so a bit of a segue here. Next question. With the slowly returning to IRL playing now, and since online and IRL metagame have usually differed, do you expect any potential meta change or update, apart from bannings, to be happening now that we return to paper play in Stockholm? Robin. Right. Uh, I, I mean, I think that those metas have been getting more alike each other. And I think that with so many printings of new cards... Uh, I think that you either play a really old deck or you update your collection with the new cards and then you might as well play uh, a high tier deck. But I think uh, there's one kind of deck that is always underplayed online and that is non-infinite loop decks or the infinite loop decks for that uh, sake uh, such as Aluren and Food Chain and uh, ah, possibly other decks that is really tedious to play online but is really smooth to play when you just say I do this 40 times and have infinite mana. Uh, so those decks are usually, I think they should be a little bit of a bigger portion of the of the paper metagame than they are online. 
Yeah, I think so. I think so as well. I mean, the online meta, a lot of times it's just like a soft template, but, you know, Paper Legacy is uh, a beast of its own. And, you know, your your local game store will probably have a different experience. Well, it will, like, provide a different experience than the second closest local game store in terms of meta, people playing, uh, card availability in pet decks. So I, I really believe, like, the the physical meta is quite different and then even when looking at you know bigger tournaments happening you know physical tournaments just like in the legacy pit uh, was like yeah 80 card allurant took second place which is just like would never happen in a challenge like uh, probably online because people want to probably spike a tournament but their idea of spiking a tournament might differ a lot between what they think is possible and what is actually possible like so i i believe uh, it has a lot to do with you know the local flavor yeah no i agree as well i think that as robin said i think actually during during lockdown which has been a good 18 months for a lot of us i think that people who have kept on playing legacy online or in paper through discord have kept collecting the cards i don't think that lockdown has meant that people sort of put an put a hiatus on on collecting their decks on the contrary i think people probably actually had more cash on hand so to say to acquire more cards uh, during these times because people who have the funds to play legacy usually also have funds to do other things in life such as travel or purchasing a new vehicle or whatever it might be and since a lot of these high cash purchases haven't happened in people's lives i think that speaks to a actually probably i think the irl and online metagames are probably more similar now than uh, ever then again we'll see if i'm correct in that prediction but that's actually what i think moving on here next question are some decks more appreciated than others this is a bit of a life advice question i feel it goes like this okay i feel whenever i'm on combo dark depths my opponent is more likely to complain unless do when it's goblins that's sleeved up might be a power level thing in my playgroup controller very popular dnt is popular dead guy is popular but combo is fine but often seen as sort of when are you going to play a real magic deck so what do you think are some decks more appreciated than others christopher i i have a really good take for this and it's uh, you know for sure you know some people have an idea of what legacy should be when it comes to play patterns or game length but that's you know one of the things that makes legacy great and should be one of the you know costs of picking a specific archetype Uh, i'm a person who used to tend like tend to play decks that might not be qualified as you know the strongest in the format and i rarely get any negativity towards my deck choice Uh, you know uh, but i have friends you know play certain uh, style of decks and I get to hear a lot you know about uh, what their opponents thought about their deck choice some famous examples are you know black red reanimator sneak and show dredge you know these decks are so crucial of keeping legacy honest which I personally love so you know when people play them and then get destroyed early because it requires you know a specific hate specific answer or something like that uh, they neither like either didn't have it or didn't find it it's very easy to get frustrated like most of my own frustrations you know when i play a deck that i don't like facing it's kind of like skipping leg day 
but you know the metaphor is more like giving too little priority to a certain deck or just like not fully embracing that you know the deck in question is really good against your deck i completely agree with the sentiment that some decks are 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 seen as a lower tier deck uh, not when it comes to power level but when it comes to fun level and i think that's that is completely false because all decks are needed and uh, if the meta becomes too fair i will always try to sleeve up something to 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 ruin the day for some fair magic player <laughs> yeah and also i think i agree with what you say guys and i would also add that there is there has been earlier the sentiment that sort of some legacy decks are inherently more skill intensive to play and are therefore more real and that's also something that i find to be pretty weird because legacy is a lot about understanding what your opponents are playing much more than only understanding what you are playing playing uh, sort of black red reanimator against lands it's not a difficult sort of thing to do because you can do exactly what you want to more or less all of the time playing black red reanimator against death and taxes or playing black red reanimator against a blue red shell with uh, counter spells all the way up to spell pierce that's a different difficulty level and you have to make different choices so coming to sort of the original questions uh, when are you going to play a real magic deck of course all of these decks are real as you say all of them are needed and I would say that the skills to pay the bills <laughs> are run equal, more or less, across the board. One of my favorite examples of that, where I want to, you know, debunk the myth a bit about, you know, skill level on a tier one deck, when Canadian Threshold was the de facto, uh, well, quote unquote, de facto best deck, uh, like ten years ago or something like that, maybe 10, 8 years ago, I thought that deck was really easy to play. Because when you needed to press the right buttons, the deck was designed to do exactly that. Like, the opponents... It, like I, I would say that the overall skill level of legacy players today, like, the, the format has gotten older, heuristics are more, like, defined. I won so many games just stifling the first fetch because people didn't play around it. That doesn't happen as often today, even when Stifle was a very you know, like usual card in the meta. So I think like the skill level attached to a deck comes to... I think there's some blue bias there. Like one of the, the most skill-intensive decks that I've ever played was uh, like Painter with Top, which is not a Brainstorm deck. But it had so many, you know, it, it's mana-intensive. You don't have Brainstorm. You have to really think about what you're gonna play when what happens if my turn one ancient tomb get wastelanded and you know there's a lot of interesting decisions it's one of the one of the more like intensive decks i've played personally uh, especially when like top miracles and charles bug was too huge part of the meta so I, yeah I, I definitely think that uh, the person who's getting you know sl- like a hard time for playing dark depths yeah you're a you're a homie keep on playing that deck rather see that than another blue red delver or bant or doomsday like play what you want right moving on 
we have a creature wish question. Would a 1-1 goblin for one red with a power blast effect and flash be too powerful or just what goblins need to be really viable? Christopher, I see you shaking your head violently. <laughs> like a 1-1 goblin for one and a red with a power blast ETB. Yeah, sure. It would be it would be really disgusting and probably not super fun. You know, that without the body attached to it is pretty good. But I think goblins is a viable deck already and it has a lot of games against a lot of different matchups but this is not a card i would see play in goblins as much as in painter where you would get like recruitable red elemental blasts uh, which is you know <laughs> just hard counter or uh, vindicate with flash on it it's it's uh, yeah it, it probably will never happen it's it's too good I don't think I have anything to add. That was a thorough explanation. Yeah, again, it's probably too good. But this, I think, this is interesting in in uh, Magic design or Legacy designing for Legacy in general is that things that are created to to solve a problem somewhere in Legacy usually becomes a problem somewhere else. Okay, would more people play Doomsday if it didn't have a big brain deck mark on it, which is not correct after Thassa in the questionnaire's opinion it being arguably the best combo deck robin would you play this doomsday deck if it wasn't a big brain deck i kind of agree with the with the question asker that it's not so big brain anymore i I, it was a really hard deck before thassa i think and it's it's more of a, a deck that you can learn and need need to do quite a lot of testing to make the piles quick but aside from that uh i think it should be played more I'm not really sure if it is the the like how hard the deck is to play if that is the barrier if if it's something else maybe it's not perceived as such a fun deck to play I'm not sure I I have a take so yeah I, I definitely think that the big brain uh, deck stamp uh, is gone with Fasas Oracle there's no you know behind the scenes secret forum of different piles there's like two or three different ways to really optimize a pile now. You can build it differently to play around certain things, but most of the games, it's going to end very similarly. But sure, it it does require some reps. You know, that's true for most Magic decks, especially in Legacy. And I think that the reason why people might not pick it up is, you know, needing those four underground seas is a pretty high barrier to get across. And, you know, add a Volcanic if you want to splash red. It's it's pretty rough. But yeah, if, if you know, if you have a local game store uh, or a friend group uh, and just allow proxies, I think you should definitely go for it because I think it's a really fun deck to play. And uh, sure, you will mess up a lot of piles. Even though I just said, like, there aren't that many. Yeah, I've messed them up and I've played uh, the deck a bit recently. And I, I have a lot of reps, like, in the past, but... It's a really fun deck, and unlike a lot of other decks, like maybe TES, you get easier feedback when something has gotten wrong. If you have made a pile and lose, you get instant feedback on why exactly you lost, uh, which is not as clear if you're playing Ant, Elves, or TES. So I think it's definitely a really, you know, uh, you get you get really good feedback after each game, like why something went good or bad. 
I mean, I think I am this person to some degree. I have refrained from playing any storm deck or any sort of combo deck that's similar has similar patterns to Doomsday because I don't think I have a big brain enough to to make all this sequencing work. But then again, that might just be me who just should try and get in there and get dirty in the underground sea life of um, of doomed uh, days. But then again, I mean, I, I have learned to say Asmurani Mardikada is the Nakuldakar, so I don't know, perhaps I should um, uh, try out Doomsday. <laughs> that is flawless, Victor, that is flawless. Uh, uh, I have a, uh, an opinion about that. I think that um, TES is a harder deck than, than Doomsday as it is now. That deck has so many lines, and especially off the board when you also bring in the new draw spell, that's a storm spell, I don't remember the name. The Galvanic Relay. Galvanic Relay, exactly. Because now that deck is is so many angles. I agree. I'm more intimidated of playing, you know, Ant or Test than Doomsday. And it's it's mainly because, uh, like we were talking about also, one of my favorite things about, like, starting a new deck, you know, getting the first reps in, is getting an understanding of what could I have done differently. And when you're choosing a line with TS... Sometimes it's it becomes apparent to you like oh I could have done this instead or maybe I tutored for the wrong thing, but when it comes to you know micro decisions I think that it's easier to keep track of your decisions playing a deck where a lot of the end game like end game bridges are dark ritual into doomsday and to see what your opponent does from there I think. It's it's a very easy deck to pick up and learn and get good at and very hard to master. But I do think like on the on the like skill level, uh, like what it takes during a whole game, it requires less than like Ant or Tess. Right. So we are in the middle of uh, the 20th uh, episode anniversary Q&A for Stockholm Legacy Report. Next question also has a bit of life advice tinge to it uh, apart from playing more sealed and more leagues what are some of the things you would advise to do to get better at legacy i'm gonna start off on this one i think one of the things you should try to do is to play more in paper no <laughs> no but what you should do is you should try and play uh, make sure to play against a lot of different decks uh, and that's perhaps why i encourage you to play in paper because playing in online you do not get to choose your opponents whereas Playing in paper, you can get your playtesting crew together, bring a gauntlet, share it in between you, and just play a lot of weird matchups. If you have a trouble playing against lands, say, pick up the lands deck, draw the seven, and see what that looks like from the lands player's perspective. What kind of plays from your opponent will make the lands hand feel stressed, for example? How do you put pressure on what I'm sitting with physically in front of me, I think that's worth tenfolds more than reading about strategy or watching other people play decks. So, uh, yeah, my, my number one rule is uh, to always think about the games you played. I, I see more people talk about their punts or bad luck rather than talking about how they sequenced things to get advantages or sequenced things uh, like how did I get into a position that I thought was losable that's more uh, like interesting to me than how the opponent top deck the exact right thing. You know, when I win a game, uh, I take a moment to think about what choices helped me win and vice versa when I lost, 
rather than like oh lucky top deck because I'm I'm not getting richer by that but how did I get into a position where that top deck would have killed me and could I have done things differently um, to not be open to that card and you know I I think about the chess player Bobby Fischer um, he more he memorized a lot of board states and plays that led to a person losing so that he himself if he would have ended up in those situations would avoid that so he didn't look look at how people won from certain board states he looked how people lost because if you can learn from other people or yourself um, how did i lose in this situation then i think that you automatically will learn things about your own play patterns heuristics and like how how you see and think about your games so do think about the good games as well and tell tell your friends what you did good because telling people other things that you've learned will make might help them become better players and then you're gradually playing against better players as well all the time so that's that's my two cents that's great advice from both of you i i i'll just add that after that uh, one thing that i like to do is watching good players stream uh, or play in uh, in webcam games especially those who who talk through their plays and uh, and uh, give deep insight to the reasoning why they play as they do uh, that's that's quite useful as well okay next question how do you identify an opposing deck uh, like which lands, openings, are tells, etc. And how do you memorize what cards you need to play around in different decks? For me, I can only recommend one thing, and that's just sort of do it again, and then do it again, and do it one more time. Uh, for me, the only the only thing I can do here is to just learn by repetition. But uh, does any of you guys have any other cognitive recommendations uh, on how to identify opposing decks? For me, there's no real thumb rules or rule of thumbs that you can go to. It's just just intuitive. Having played a lot of a lot of Legacy and uh, recognizing which fetch might fetch which do well, which lead to which deck, and uh, that deck like including which cards is it Daze? Is it Stifle? Is is this combo? Is it fair? Uh, will there be a creature on the board soon, or will there be a spell on the stack? Uh, that kind of stuff. It's I don't really have any rules of thumb. I just use my intuition there, and I think you can only get to that place by by playing Magic. Yeah, I actually do have some uh, some hot tips and tricks. So I look at the lands that they've played, and until the jig is up, I'm pretending that I'm playing against the absolute worst possible deck with those lands. If I'm on a slow deck and I see an underground sea, I'm going to assume that it's a combo deck, if that's my weakness. If I'm a, if I'm a combo deck, I'm going to assume that it's Delver or Death Shadow. I'm going to assume the worst uh, until I've realized who has what role in the matchup, who's to control aggro or combo. So. Worst case scenario, if you play against this, you know, trying to fool Murphy's Law, if you're always assuming the worst, like worst situation, uh, you really, yeah, you you guess wrong and it might have been even worse than what you're playing around. Indeed. All right. Short and uh, a question that's been asked in many iterations. So we'll come back to it in its different iterations during this uh, session. What are your favorite decks presently, Robin? Presently, I would say lands or 
shark still. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm all in Alurin. Like, uh, I love green. Green enchantment creature decks. Alurin has been my favorite deck for quite a while now, so that's my answer. And I'm going to go with uh, Cloud Post because I am so much into what's the new brew. Not that it's a brew brew, but the new brew, it rhymes. Uh, the new brew in my deck box, uh, the le- last deck I've finished collecting is Cloud Post and I'm just so down on doing these extremely big things <laughs> that I can do with that deck. Yeah, that honeymoon. <laughs> <And it's>, indeed, <laughs> that, that... it's a strong honeymoon <laughs> feeling. But, you know, I live in the moment. I'm not like Luke Skywalker, so, uh, you know. Okay, next question. Do you play any other Magic the Gathering formats? So, yeah, I, I actually do play some EDH with a friend group. And, you know, we haven't had the opportunity to play so much uh, since COVID. And I'm the least synced to the format uh, in all of our playgroup. You know, they watch a lot of uh, Commander videos and... Uh, and stuff like that and you know i just i i usually bring two or three decks and i call them here's bug legacy cards i own here's uh, jeskai legacy cards i own and here's my like mono brown no one's gonna have a good time deck so yeah it's i, I play some edh i currently only play legacy i also currently only play legacy i used to play a lot of standard and lots of modern before I became a parent and then parenthood quickly limited my options and I had to hone in on one format of Magic the Gathering and that easily became Legacy. I would love to play more Limited but I think it's just a time thing It's because in Limited, I mean being a good Limited player is very, very skill intensive to begin with and I'm not super skill intensive but also you have to I think be able to um, keep on relearning different limited metagames and formats. Uh, and those shift, of course, on a three-month or quicker schedule. So that you're on a constant learning curve. Of course, you probably learn more to learn. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you would, over time, increase your skill in adapting to new limited formats. But still, it's just too much to take in for me, uh, unfortunately, because I think playing limited uh, is a really good way of uh, getting good at magic in general yeah but there are some benefits if you only play limited every once in a while like now when is the next time i'm gonna play limited so in three years whenever i do the next thing i can say i haven't lost a limited match in three years and it'll be true <laughs> that's another kind of you know bragging rights but you know whatever ropes you got uh, i'm happy for you <laughs> next question what sort of sleeves do you use have you always played with the same sleeves or have you changed colors or changed brand throughout your legacy career? I am currently playing KMCs and I am quite dissatisfied with them. I think they tear uh, differently so that some of the sleeves get marked really fast. I think that my favorite sleeves are uh, Dragon Shields. Yeah, I I actually I've changed brands quite a bit since I started playing and... Uh... I, I used to be on KMC a lot, but uh, I changed to Dragon Shield and a, a certain series, uh, Matt Art. I changed to it in Bologna. And, uh, you know, since I switched, not a single sleeve has broken yet. And I think that the matte cards, the, the matte sleeves, has really good uh, grip. They're really easy to shuffle and have good grip. 
And you know, during Corona, I have shuffled these a lot, and still not a single one is broken. There are no dents. They're like completely, yeah, they they still look great. So I would I would recommend that. And they do some fun prints on them as well if you're into that. I have some random blue dragon or whatever on mine. Uh, like uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a great brand, good quality. Yeah, I also tried a lot of different sleeves throughout my playing, especially when I played, used to play standard, you would change sleeves quite a bit because you would change decks so often your sleeves would sort of get dirtier, I think, because you were just handling the cards more. But after many different tries, now I think I've been on a couple of years, actually, I've been on Katana and I'm happy with them. I usually want to try and play black sleeves, but of course I can't play all black sleeves for all my decks because I will confuse the cards. I need to branch out into colors and I think they have nice uh, sort of nice colors to look at the back side of my deck is sort of pleasing to me and they also i think i find them very durable i've never had them break from me or anything so i'm happy with the katanas Question, what deck type would you like to see that hasn't been seen before in Legacy at top tier? Maybe something like a dinosaur tribal or a competitive EDH deck that can be transformed into a Legacy deck somehow. I'm gonna go first here. I would love to see an Elementals deck make its heyday in Legacy. And I remember we had this, we had a brew discussion, I think it's in our fifth or sixth episode or something, uh, and uh, we were supposed to come up with uh, some new decks. I brought an Abyss deck in the end, but I had a long draft of an Elementals deck going. And since Elementals decks have, in some way, I think, become a thing in modern, so uh, I think it's just a matter of time before some of the donation deck streamers publish uh, a tuned Elementals legacy deck list and then we might be on to something so i'm hoping for elementals to make uh, make it into legacy that'd be fun yeah i would i would really like to see and i i'm harking on this a lot but yeah a deck like spirits you know like a very streamlined spirits deck or like we've seen uh, our friend to the pod the truckies played a bit you know the uh, the stasis uh, with the new teferi you know there are some tools there and maybe something is missing, but I would, you know, love, it would be so satisfying to see one of those decks really getting there with a new printing, making them a lot more viable. And, you know, I'm not sure, like, I haven't followed up on how the the stasis with uh, with Teferi went, but, you know, I, I just got so happy when I saw that picture, like the first picture I saw Turkey's uh, upload. It was just like, so beautiful and personally i'm still very interested in trying a spirits deck out i recently got some some vile cards like i mentioned uh, last week i think with the jeskai vile that's also to be able to build yeah tribal spirits so i'm looking forward to that yeah i've been missing prison as an archetype lately uh, I think Chalice of the Void is probably the worst that it's ever been since it's printing. Or maybe not since it's printing, but lately at least. It's, it's quite bad right now, and I was quite happy to see a Blood Moon deck doing sort of well 
lately. I think, think it won a challenge. But then again, the new Blood Moon decks are are more aggro decks than than prison decks. I think. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So so some something really prisony and a card that would make stasis viable. That would be the dream. I completely agree with that. I'm gonna sign on to that. Stasis in Legacy make it fucking happen. Wow. Okay, obvious question. Favorite magic card in general of all time, any format? Goblin Welder. <laughs> I thought I killed the mood like Goblin Welder and it's like dead silent. This is hard. I don't really think I have a favorite card. I, I, I like Days a lot, but I think that Days has <laughs> has <laughs> received a lot of flack lately and maybe it's not, it's not such a fun card in in the current uh, card pool. Editor. But other than that. Editor. Other than that. <laughs> Cut him out. <laughs> I, I think that Days is is a really interesting card when the meta is is not too strong for the Days decks. I think the cost of picking up a land is a real cost in a deck, and I, I think it creates a lot of fun play patterns and uh, strategy decisions. I 100% agree. I I just want to say that. I mean, for me, obviously, Asmorana, Mardikalis, and Akodakar is my favorite magic card. I, I, I knew you'd rehearse that. <laughs> I knew it. Uh, it's it's, it's Grizzlebrand, for sure. Not even close. Amazing, amazing magic card. Whatever brings me the closest to Satan in any, any game I can play, I play. Okay, following up that, how about a favorite deck of all time, any format? So I'm going to start here. My favorite deck of all time, any format, is actually going to be a standard deck. I played quite a bit in the Innistrad Return to Ravnica era, which was my John Zombies. And John Zombies was basically a mono-black zombie deck that splashed sort of green and red because some of the key creatures were multicolored, such as Lothlet Troll and uh, Falkenrath Aristocrat. But the deck really felt like it was a mono-black deck. It played three fucking blood artists. It was it was just the truth. And, of course, first and foremost, it played an aggressive playset of um, Geralt's Messenger. Second to Grizzlebrand, Geralt's Messenger is uh, my favorite magic card of all time. It's just fantastic design in every way shape and form i will give you one of my favorite uh, legacy decks that i have played uh during an era which where i had a lot of fun playing this deck and this was during the death right mirror meta and i was playing rixis delver and i was among the few people who did so at our local game store but there were a lot of players playing the almost delver deck uh check pile uh, which like traded some of them the more offensive threats for more defensive threats and that that sort of pseudo mirror was such a such a fun magic to play and i think that deathrite shaman was a, a a fun card i mean i i can see that it was strong maybe the strongest card that existed at that time but i think that if it hadn't been banned it would have been fun fine by now with all the printings that has happened. Just putting it out there. But that was among the best magic I've ever played. When it comes to, you know, favorite deck of all time, I kind of answered a learner earlier. Like, it's it has a really, you know, old history. And uh, there are so many different ways to build a deck. But if I'm going to go with another deck, if we're talking about, you know, a favorite place in time, I would probably pick 
uh, you know, painter during the top era. The deck was so disgusting against some of the best decks in the meta, like Shardless Bug, uh, and it also had really interesting games against top miracles. And you know, that meta wasn't healthy due to top counterbalance terminus, but I'm still very nostalgic uh, towards it. More favorite things coming up. What is your favorite flavor text on a magic card? And I think here we should, of course, read out the flavor text first and have the others guess the card. Ooh, Other, uh, that, I like that. Uh, that's the only way to play this game. Uh, so I have prepared here. I'll return you once you've ripened, Ghoulcaller Giza. Quote. There's a quote. I'll return you once you've ripened. And uh, the quote is from Ghoulcaller Giza. Is it Gravecrawler? No. It's, it sounds like a green card. It's definitely a... No, it's it's definitely a black zombie because Giza is doing that. It, it's, not, it's not green and it's a black card. Can you give a hint? <laughs> And it's, is it Geralt's messenger again? Nope. Uh, I, f- I, I thought that you were getting, you know, super nostalgic and all, all cuddly with the, the messenger. No, uh, this is uh, this is Entomb. Oh. Oh, cool. I'll return once you've ripened. So I'm going to Entomb you, and then you're going to ripen up a bit, and then I'm going to animate you and run with the game. Wow, that's a great flavor text. Robin, do you have one for us? They groaned. They stirred. They all uprose, nor spake, nor moved their eyes. It had been strange, even in a dream, to have seen those dead men rise. Samuel Coleridge, the rhyme of the ancient mariner. Rhyme of the ancient mariner! Oh my god! Uh, Wow. I have no idea what this card is, though. But that's a lot of flavor text for a card. Is it like one of these, you know, living dead or something like that? Oh, this is the Scath Zombies. 2-2 Two, two for three <gasps> mana from Alpha. <laughs> oh my god. Nice. That's so cute. I I actually... So this is a, a mini, mini game. I actually brought three different. So we can have a best of three between you two. And you'll probably not get a single one. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, great. Um, Thank you for your mighty confidence in our skills. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll actually that's, start that's with nice. one that I think... And, and I want you to shout your ni- name out if you... Guess, like, want to guess what card it is. Uh, I'll start with the easiest one. It gathers hues from the twilight mist so that its masters can paint a better world. Victor. Victor? Is this painter's servant? Oh my god. It is. So one point to Victor. The second one. The academy worked with time until time ran out. Excellent quote. Do you want a hint? It's banned in Legacy. Oh, Victor. Victor. To the Lion Academy. That's right. Two for two. The last one. This one is extremely hard, but I just love it. It's simple, clean, and it does what the flavor text kind of does contextually in the decks they play. Part prison, part home. Mm. Robin? Could it be Wasteland? No, no. Um... Part prison, part home. I mean, I want to say smokestack, but that feels off. Here comes the first clue. A lot of times when I play smokestack, I play this card as well in the deck. That's the prison element. Part prison, part home. Oh, so the home is just the fact that you feel home with that deck, is it? Oh, well, yeah. 
maybe <laughs> look at look at the picture next time when you look at this card. Okay, give it to us. Grim monolith. Oh. Ah, oh, look at the art. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep indeed, yep indeed. Interesting. Wow, that's a really good segment. Good question right there. questions left uh, in this uh, excellent nice 20th episode anniversary q a round the most memorable judge call you've had i can go first because it's a wholesome one so i had a really wholesome judge call in uh, bologna so it was uh, day two and my opponent had borrowed a hogak deck and you know making it to day two with a with a, a borrowed deck uh, the person i i think he said that he hadn't played for for a couple of years and was not really in tune with the meta you know made day two and was just really happy to be there so during game one he puts like the most disgusting pressure ever and presents you know over 30 plus damage on turn three i think so i take my turn and just play aluren he reads the card and says okay i start doing my stuff and finally i have the combo kill he reads the card and goes okay and then he calls the judge and just goes does it does it actually work like that and the judge says yes and then he goes that's fucking awesome good game and then he it was just so wholesome you know he was super happy <laughs> you know from this unlosable position here's 30 plus power and then he was just like oh that's fucking awesome he actually said that's fucking awesome to the judge <laughs> and then just packed up his cards and i just think that was one of the funniest judge calls i've ever witnessed and i'm just so happy that i was on like so up close to see it yeah that, that's like the power of legacy uh, when you can like when you enter the metagame or like when you play legacy for maybe the first time or the second time or you're you're a beginner and you you meet all these new decks that you haven't heard of before and uh, see how they play out and and you just like feel the power level that's that's such a cool experience what a great what a great story i don't have any interesting judge calls to talk about unfortunately i have one i used to be a judge actually level one only so i would judge local events the absolute most fun was to judge uh, pre-releases because you see more players all kinds of players the people who come out only to play the pre-release and they just play kitchen table with the new cards they acquire until the next pre-release basically <clears throat> and there was this one kid he had opened a prime speaker Zegarda. no prime speaker zegana is the card so it's two two green and two blue for a legendary merfolk wizard one one has the text prime speaker zagana enters the battlefield plus x plus one plus one counters on it where x is the greatest power among other creatures you control when prime speaker zagana enters the battlefield draw cards equal to its power and this kid has has opened this this is like round three or something and, and he calls me over and he's like so i play this card i have this six four creature so it's gonna be a six six and then i'm do i get to draw six cards and i'm like yeah yeah, that that's that's what this card says it does. So yeah, that's what it does. Wow, that's so good. 
that's such a great card. Wow, thank you so much. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like so happy from that kid. He was just like, look at this card. It's so good. Wow, I can do so many things now. Here it comes. I'm going to play it again. So uh, yeah, on the wholesome theme of memorable judge calls, that one is definitely it. It would have been so funny. Like, I have a 6-4. Do I get to draw six cards? And then he just draws six cards and you go, <clears throat> I know this is uh, like regular, but I'm going to have to give you a warning. You should actually draw seven cards. It's not a May. <laughs> it enters with six counters. So it has seven in power. <laughs> you should <laughs> like totally ruining that, that momentum, being the worst person in the world. People are like, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? I hate this card. I had to draw an extra. Okay, we're approaching the last question of this fantastic session. And of course, this is going to be the most personal, deep digging, hard one for all of us to, to answer. So I want every of you listeners to take a deep breath, sit down. What is the best or most heartbreaking misplay ever made by you in a game of Magic the Gathering? I'm going to start off this sad, sad segment because it involves uh, Christopher Wikström. I had just picked up Black Red Reanimator. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this Christian Brand thing. That's going to be great. And we're at the local sort of weekly. I go sort of land, uh, Chancellor Reveal, land and um, tomb, I think, or something. Or um, I did something on the first turn. And then Christopher goes swamp, thought sees. And I'm like, fuck. And then sort of I read my hand. Christopher takes my reanimation target. Uh, no, my takes my reanimating spell. Uh, and then he's like, past the turns back to me and he says, now you missed your trigger and uh, you're probably never going to do that again because now you've learned. And I'm like, yeah, now I've learned. But that was hard. That was so hard. Yeah, I, I was mega into... Uh, I, I think we played a lot of games when you were picking up the deck. And it was just also like a lot of times where we had, you know, you had a Chancellor in play. And I played a card. And I was like, I want to play Baleful Strix. And you just said, okay. And I'm, and after a while, I was like, Victor, is it okay? And then you were like, oh, right, Chancellor. And then I was like, yeah, boy. I remember, like, you had that moment once. And I was like, after a while, I was like, no, Victor. No, you're going to fucking use your Chancellor. I've had enough of this shit. I don't want to... I want to I wanna win fair and square, not by you missing a trigger. So yeah, I remember that. It was it was rough, and that Fatsis hit really hard. It, it, it won me hard. the game, <laughs> pretty much. Do you have any misplays or best uh, plays, Robin? I did not see this question, so I haven't prepared, but I, I don't know if this really qualifies for that, but I think it was actually the last finals of the Stockholm Legacy League, which should have been the one where Breach won, right? Yeah, yeah, it was It was the one that Breach won. Yeah, all right. I was playing some sort of Grixis Delver deck. <laughs> no, sort of. Uh, sorry, uh, I was playing a Rug Delver deck after the Ren and Six ban. I mean, it, it was not really established archetype at that point, so it was a little bit of a brew. And I had gotten all the way to the semifinals, and I was facing off against Punishing Maverick. I, I know this because it was uh, commentated uh, on the stream, so that's why I remember this specific play. But in game two, I had not boarded out my two spell pierces against uh, Punishing Maverick. And uh, it was a real 
like uninteresting game because I think I had a Delver that was attacking and we both were like just spinning the wheels, not doing anything really. And I, I remember specifically that uh, he was low on land counts and uh, in his final turn he tried to either Punishing Fire or, or Plow My Delver and I had that really stupid spell pierce that should have been boarded out <laughs> it's <laughs> to, the best. To, to win the game. It's the best misplay. Yeah, and I, I remember that the commentators were like, wow, that card should not be in the deck post-board. <laughs> oh, man. That was a great spell pierce. I love that card. I would never board out spell pierce. <laughs> I, have, um, I have one, uh, like, I, I really don't remember all that many misplays like uh, i would say for the for the last couple of years i've played pretty tightly but you know some misplays happen from time to time but one that happened a couple of years ago that i still remember was uh, i remember it because it was so extremely uh, like rough so i was playing ad nauseum tendrils and i was playing against one of my fellow so there was a, a like a legacy tournament i can't remember if it was a like a 1k-esque style tournament or if it was just like a, our weekly but i was playing ad nauseum tendrils and some of the people from Uppsala, um, from the local game store there and you know being from Uppsala and all me playing ad nauseum tendrils is like yeah it's it's fun um so we're we're into game free and my opponent is on a blue-white control deck, like uh, not really k- kind of miracles style, and I'm on, like I said, Agnostic Tendrils, and I've set up this scenario with Brainstorm, so that I can do all of my rituals, have so much mana, and I know that the only card that my opponent can have that's really going to be a problem right now is um, something like a hard counter. But I had set up, so even if that happens, I'm going to untap and just be able to play Ad Nauseam with all of the mana that I have, because it's like late in the game. So I do all of my mana stuff. On the last uh, ritual, my opponent clicks me, sees the Infernal Tutor, puts it on the bottom, and I'm like, yeah, you're dead. And I draw a card, and with the Brainstorm, I put a Cable Ritual, ritual on top instead of the Ad Nauseam which was now one step below. So instead of killing my opponent, I lost the game because then he just peeled the force afterwards and killed me uh, after a couple of turns. I think that's my worst misplay. There is a lot to be learned from these misplays and I hope you listeners have uh, taken all of this fantastic um, question-answer session into your hearts as we like to think that we take you into our hearts every week this is all we have i hope you have enjoyed ourselves we surely have Uh, if you did enjoy yourselves recommend us to a friend please you could also give us i don't know 20 stars in a podcasting app somewhere Uh, (laughs) if someone wants to reach out to us in any other way than our discord server where can we be found robin you can find me on facebook that's where i do most of my magic interactions but I'm also active on Discord and uh, Reddit and other platforms under the username Jackabo. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at MonolithMTG. And you can find me on Twitter as well under Disco Drogo. This podcast can be found on Twitter at SDHLM Legacy. 
And that concludes the 20th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report. Thank you, Robinson Sien, and thank you, Christopher Wikström. Our fantastic music is written by Frönes. You should check them out on Spotify. Until next time, hug a legacy player.